Lord, I want to thank you for Mike. I want to thank you, Lord, for the way that you use him and the way that he can speak your words to us, Father God. I pray that you'll just be with him, Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have to hear him and that he has to share your truth. Lord, I pray that you'll open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see. I ask you this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Good evening. <laughs> my book doesn't want to come out of my bag. Yeah, it made it. That was for your entertainment. <laughs> so, right. So this evening we get to carry on checking out James's letter. James is the most pragmatic writer I've ever read. He's so, so very practical. So James reminds me of a people group um, from my home country that we affectionately call rednecks. And rednecks have little funny sayings that are uber pragmatic. For example, rednecks say, if it quacks, it's a duck. That's really deep, isn't it? Man, that is deep. And that I can just hear. In fact, I struggle not to read James in that in that um, accent, because he sounds like that kind of guy, just really practical. You know, like last week you'd have heard James saying things like, well, you talk about faith, but I can't see it. What you doing? Right. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing. So we're going to carry on with James, the, um, the redneck of scripture. And I might get in trouble for that, but it's, it's a beautiful book. And I love how it challenges us. But as we look at this tonight, let's remember he's writing to Messianic Jews. These are Hebrew people. Um, who come to know Christ as the promised Messiah, that they're being marginalized and persecuted because of their faith. So we just remember who this was written to. It's written also for our benefit, right? But, but many of us sitting here in a much more comfortable position than, um, than the people this letter was originally written to. They were being excluded economically and socially. They're being lied about and slandered about in their communities. And they're being drugged into court and sued for unjust reasons. It is this group of people going through these things that he's already encouraged with stuff like persevere through trials. You're going to make it. You're going to come out even stronger. He said things like, don't show favoritism to rich people just because you think they can help. Um, He said, prove that you heard the word and prove you have faith by actually doing something. He's saying that to people who are struggling, who are really going through it, who are going through a very, very difficult time. And the message is, if we've been changed by Christ living in us, then it should be visible by the way we respond to mistreatment and the way we refuse to show favoritism and the way that our beliefs make their way into our actions. And as we carry on into chapter three, it should also be visible by the way our faith changes the way we speak. So I can't tell you how overjoyed I was. (laughs) Hey, can you preach? Oh, that's so amazing. Thank you. On James 3. Ooh. (laughs) Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a tough one. Hey, Um, but keep in mind the contrast James is drawing. When you consider who he's writing to, they're being slandered against. They're being lied about. They're being drugged into court on false pretenses by false witnesses. So James is writing to a group of people who are being abused by the words of others. And he is saying, don't abuse others with your words. Right? That's deep. 
And it's as if James is saying this over and over. Um, you get this theme. We should be better at this than the world, hey? We've got Jesus inside of us. So we're going to have a look at how Jesus can make um, our tongues better than some of the stuff we go into. Um, how many of y'all are really excited? I want to hear about this. <laughs> it is. And you know what? Let's get excited because one of the scriptures we're going to look at says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when I was a little kid, I'll never forget um, I spread a rumor among my cousins and that rumor caused a fist fight. And, um, and it's so funny. My, my girl cousin beat the tar out of my guy cousin, right? So you can throw all those little stereotypes out and she whooped him. You know, he still has a, a chip on his tooth to this day, right? She took him out, you know, and I was sitting my, and my grandmother had me in a room on the side and she said, and her green eyes, I could like dig a hole through your soul, man. She was looking at me. She said, she said, now Mike, life and death is in the power of the tongue. You know, and she, she was using that scripture to discipline me. Hey, you were speaking death. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And every time for the next few years, I looked at my cousin and saw that chip on his tooth. I thought, that's because I was speaking death. It's all my fault. <laughs> Right. But let's look in this scripture tonight from the other side. You have the power of life in your tongue. Who, who can say that that doesn't know Jesus? You have the power of life in your tongue. So the converse is true. If we have the power of life in our tongue, what a shame if we use it for death. But how about let's go for the life? Are y'all with me? Can we go for life tonight? I don't know about you, but I just like life better than death. Hey, death is a drag, you know. Life is just better. There's more of a vibe, you know, when there's, when there's people, when there's life. It's just better, right? So if that's okay with you guys, we're going we're gonna to look at James 3, but we're going to look at it in life. So it starts off, but now again, James is really pragmatic. So get your seatbelts on. Uh, you just like, oh, a book of James. Let me just read it. Bam, he's in your face, you know? I mean, at least say hi, James, you know? <laughs> so, um... James chapter three, verse one and two, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Hey, how many y'all encouraged? Yeah. Wow. What's he saying? What he's basically saying is don't presume to become a teacher because you're signing up for stricter judgment. And remember, all of us are struggling. I love that James uses the pronoun we, he didn't say, y'all don't become teachers because you know most of y'all screwing up all the time. He said, we all stumble in many ways, right? I read through, I did, I studied several commentaries this week and I found a really interesting one, a um, guy from a few centuries ago named Matthew Henry. And he said, um, these first two verses, one of the things James was going after was don't lord it over people with your tongue, Right. So if you're one of these who like structured outlines, that is Roman number one. Don't lord it over others with your tongue. Matthew Henry says, do not presume the air of a teacher or a master or a judge as if your opinion should become everyone else's standard. And I said, "Ow, man. Right. Rather, our words should be marked with the humility that comes from being a fellow learner of Christ. I mean, like, that's pretty good, isn't it? I wish I could take credit for that, but that was Matthew Henry from forever ago, 
right? So don't presume to the error of a teacher. Don't just sign up to be a teacher just because for two reasons. Number one reason from James chapter three, verse one is if you presume the position, you assume the condition and the condition is greater judgment. Like, yeah, judge me by a stricter standard. Let's do this. Secondly, since all of us stumble in many ways, this is what Matthew Henry points out. If we're aware of our own shortcomings, we're less likely to judge others or pressure them or, or presume to instruct without invitation. Right? That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And I want to stay aware. I'll never forget. I had a friend of mine who's a pastor in Texas say the one thing that will help you from judging others, if you stay more offended at your own capacity for sin than by anybody else's sin. And I looked at what I was capable of. I'm like, done. Wow. And that's never left me. Right. That's a good friend. <laughs> you know, good friends give you the best counsel. Right. But don't worry. It's not just teachers who give an account of how we speak. I would be remiss if I didn't point out to you that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, Jesus says, but I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. How many of y'all just had a whole bunch of sentences from your past go through your mind? You're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> the words you say, Jesus says, will either acquit you or condemn you. Man, it's quiet in here. What is that? Now, now listen, we, you take the whole counsel of God. Jesus did not just say that if you make an idle joke, you're going to go to hell. That is not what he said, right? So if anybody was afraid of that, that is not it. What is he talking about? There is a judgment day for believers. There is. It's not the one where he decides whether you go into heaven or into hell. It's not that judgment day. That judgment day is the one, if you remember the, the whole picture of scripture, that's the one where your father who wants to reward you and give out crowns and rewards and blessing. And he's giddy. He's on the edge of the seat waiting to reward you. He wants to give those rewards on that day. And everything we do is going to be laid on a foundation which is Christ. And there will be a fire on that foundation. And after that fire, the stuff that was done, um, motivated and led by the spirit will, will come through it as if it was gold and gemstones, right? And the stuff that was done by the flesh, including these idle words Jesus is talking about, will burn up like hay, right? That is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Right. So um, so if I spend my whole life just trying to get my own needs met my own way and doing everything led by the flesh and not by the Holy Spirit and speaking a bunch of idle words and never building up and speaking the truth in love, then but I give my heart to Jesus. Right. If that's the only thing I get right is I give my heart to Jesus. One day the father will be waiting to give me rewards and there will be a fire on the on the, on, on the foundation of everything I've built. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, I will get into heaven as if I escaped through the flames and there will be nothing. And here's the father like wanting to reward me and there's no reward to give. Wouldn't that be a shame, right? So that's what Jesus is talking about. That is the accounting of our words. But, um, but don't be bummed out because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. 
And when, and when Paul writes to the church in, in, in Galatia, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those things, um, when you look, well, that's one thing that NIV is really good about. It uses a capital S when the, when the writer of Scripture is referring to the Holy Spirit. And it uses a little s when the writer of Scripture is referring to your spirit and mine. So in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, if you, if you happen to have an NIV um, translation, you will see that it says the fruit of the Holy Spirit, capital S. You know what's good about that? It means he produces the fruit, not me. That's really exciting because I ain't good at patience. I don't know about y'all, but nobody's home, right? I'm not so good at gentleness and, and um, self-control is a struggle. Right. But the Holy Spirit is so good at these things and he can produce those things, including in the way I speak and in the way you speak. Right. So I'm telling you, if we follow the Holy Spirit on this day, when that fire burns on that foundation, there's going to be lots of goods that survive that thing. And the father is going to reward you richly and he can't wait to reward you. Right. So that's the first two verses of, of James three. Let's move on. Um, the next section, for those of you who love to outline um, Roman numeral two, big power in a tiny package. Right. That reminds me of a friend in high school. We used to call her firecracker because she I, I'm telling you, she was this tall. And we had we used to have driver's education classes. And um, somebody, as a joke, brought one of those um, um, 20 centimeter wide um, Houston phone books as a joke. But she was like, oh, thank you so much. Because she actually couldn't see over the steering wheel. <laughs> right. And she did sit on that phone book so that she could see and learn to drive. But um, but she was also very intelligent and very opinionated. And we called her firecracker because it was a little package, but it had a lot of it had a lot of um, pop. Right. Big things come in small packages. So let's look again at James chapter three um, in the middle of verse two. Um, James says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. There you go. There's the key to perfection. <laughs> but that Greek word perfect means mature and grown up and complete. It doesn't mean like, you know, absolute perfection. And he says, anything, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. They're able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal just from their tongue. Or we take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And I want to say it makes great boasts. I don't know about here, but in my culture, when nowadays, when you see that phrase, it makes great boasts, you think, oh, it's a bunch of talk. And that's not what James means here. What James means here is it's very small, but it gets a lot of stuff done. It has something to boast about. Right. So this little, little bitty tongue makes some things happen. And I brought some some stuff tonight. Because um, when Pastor Let Solo preaches a lot, he uses things, and I just think it's really cool. So if you're listening, Pastor Let Solo, I want to be more like you. Um, my friend Del May has taught his children to love horses. 
And um, I don't know if y'all know Del May, but he's cool. This is a bit, right? Um, this little section in the middle is what goes in the horse's mouth. And um, it literally is straight from the horse's mouth. It was in the horse's mouth yesterday, right? So no, I'm not going to try it on for y'all. I just, I only swap slobber with my wife, not with horses, not with anybody else, right? <laughs> this is a bit. Think with me, how big is a horse, right? How big is a horse really? I'm not talking about a, a toy pony. Like, have y'all ever seen a Clydesdale? Those things are massive, hey? And they're beautiful, y'all. They're so beautiful, right? But I got to walk up to one one time. And here's the back here. <laughs> like, oh, these things are huge, right? Massive horses. And those things, and they train them and the stuff that they do, and they pick up their feet like this, and beautiful, incredible things. And you, and you control that massive beast by about six centimeters of iron or stainless steel right here. Isn't that amazing, right? And, the, and James is comparing your tongue and mine to that, right? Um, in, in 2006, um, a church that Shandra and I had worked at for 10 years gave us an amazing gift. They gave us seven days on a cruise. It was so incredible. I'm going to tell you all, that boat is bigger than Menland Park Mall. That's the, that's the biggest boat. And I remember I was on the boat and I was, they were telling us the boat has 3,000 tourists and a crew of, I don't remember the number, 600, 700, right? And I'm thinking, there's more people on this boat than in the town I grew up in, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I'm walking around, I'm thinking the grocery store fits here, the high school fits here, the post office, my whole town I grew up in fits in this boat, Right? And then I Googled for the fun of it, a picture of the rudder on the boat, right? And, um, and I can't remember exactly, but it fits inside this room, okay? The rudder for that boat fits inside this room. So you've got a floating thing bigger than Menland Park Mall. And it goes against the currents of the, of the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea. And it goes against the wind. And it's driven to overcome all of that by something smaller than this room. Isn't that amazing? And you know what else is amazing? My tongue takes control of my life and directs it in the same way. All of this, right? Y'all can't have it because it belongs to her. But all of this, <laughs> all of this is driven by this little thing inside here. Here's another wild one. Um, I read a few years ago and then I'm like, then I had to, then I had to Google it. Cause are you serious? Right. Um, we got a lot of strong muscles in our bodies, right? The pectoral muscle, that's strong. You guys who like to lift weights, you throw the bench press of the pecs are strong, right? Um, what about, what about the quad muscle, the quadriceps? What about the hamstring? Those are some strong muscles, right? Do you know what the strongest muscle in your body is? And it's not even close your tongue. Seriously. It is amazing. There is a lot of power <coughs> packed in this tiny thing and it drives our lives. And if it's gonna, if we're gonna let it drive our lives, then let's make sure we drive it towards Jesus by agreeing with what he says. So here's an illustration. I remember when I was a kid, I loved, loved, loved little Charlie Brown books. Y'all ever read little comic books, right? And um, 
So it had all these, all these um, cartoons, three panels or six panels, little cartoons with all these snarky little sayings and things that happened. And I just really enjoyed it. And I could identify with this character who get, kind of gets made fun of at school and kind of a lot of things go wrong, you know. And I could identify with this character. And um, I read of one strip and I really wanted to show y'all, but I couldn't find it on Google. Google let me down, man. But Charlie Brown finds something on the street and he picks it up and he says, a penny, that's like a 10 cent coin, a penny, why couldn't I have found a nickel? Why does this stuff always happen to me? What, is, what good is a penny these days anyway? Right? And then he just, and then he puts it in his pocket anyway and walks off. And then another little kid named Lucy sees this happen, but she didn't hear what he says. And she says, I can't find it in my notes. She says, he found a penny. She didn't say, I can't find it in my notes. She actually said, he found a penny. Why don't things like that ever happen to me? Do you see a completely different thing happened to each one, but they had the same perspective, the same perspective. And as a little kid, something in that resonated with me and I began to say things like that and it steered my life. Let me tell you, it did not steer what happened to my life. It did not steer my circumstances. It steered me. It preconditions me to respond with self-pity instead of gratitude. Your tongue is the rudder of your life. Where are you driving yourself with the words of your mouth? Y'all are serious in here. I'm just telling stories on me. Is anyone, can anyone relate? Right? You want to testify? I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. Right? But I, I had to really practice gratitude. And it took, I mean, I had to really work hard to get out of this place of self-pity. Right? And it still wants to rise up. You know, it still wants to be there. But I had to really work on it. And it's a silly thing, but gratitude became so important to me. It's a really silly thing. I actually collect thank yous. I have an Evernote in my, um, in my Evernote. <laughs> I, have a, I have a note in my Evernote. Um, I don't know the right way to say that. English is hard. Um, and I've got over 30 thank yous in different languages. And uh, at any time, I can drop like 12 or 15 of them from memory. Because um, I found the Lord helped me. I figured out that gratitude is more important than, than, um, than the opposite. And I wanted to cultivate um, a spirit. And maybe someone here, maybe you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, I need to learn to say thank you, right? So my friend, Sean, um, like half of Sean's family is sitting here tonight. So my friend, Sean, um, if you want to get on his nerves, call him Dr. J, because I like to do that to him. Um, but my friend, Sean says, whenever he's struggling um, with worship, whenever he's struggling to be a worshiper, he wakes up and the first thing he does before he puts his feet on the floor, he wakes up and he says, God, I can see, I can see my wife. I can see the sun, the sunlight outside. I can see the, I can see the birds flying. Thank you. Thank you, Father. And then he says, God, I hear the, I can hear the birds singing. I can hear my wife's voice. God, I'm so thankful that I can hear. And he just finds the most basic things and he rehearses being grateful and he says, man, it's, it doesn't take long at all that his heart is full of praise, right? And it's a powerful practice. Gratitude, that was for free, right? 
So let's move on. That was the tongue's influence on me, my steering wheel, if you will, right? And some of y'all need to cry out with Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel, (laughs) right? Jesus, look at what I have done to myself. Jesus, take the wheel, take it from my hands, (laughs) right? Please be in control, right? But next let's look at my tongue's effect on others. So here we are in the middle of verse five. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All right, James, he's not mincing words, is he? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Y'all think about it. There's people in the Middle East can play an oboe and make a cobra dance and not get bit. You know what I'm saying? There's people in, in Texas that have killer whales. Instead of eating them for dinner, they swim together and do jumps, Right? That's wild. There's lion tamers. There's all these. We've, there's people who, who have falcons land on their arms and, and eagles. We've tamed everything, but no one's ever tamed the tongue. That is deep. Think about it. It's crazy. And while I look for another thing, right? Y'all, isn't this something? It worked, right? <laughs> Look how small this is. Um. In California this year, thousands of people are homeless and tens of thousands of square kilometers of of forest are gone. And I'm telling you right now, every one of those massive things, uh, forget California, Nisna, two years ago, you remember? That was a horrible disaster. You know how it started? This small, this small. So please... Can I beg you, in love, please don't underestimate what one idle word can do out of your mouth or mine. Wouldn't you hate to be the guy that threw the cigarette butt that burned down half of, of, of the, the eastern, was it the eastern Cape? Or nice, thank you, western Cape. Forgive me for still not knowing my geography. Um, right? Wouldn't you hate it if that was you? Wouldn't you hate it if you were the one who dropped this idle word or that idle word and all the destruction that can happen, right? Let's not underestimate the destructive thing that our tongues can do to ourselves, to the people we love, to our community that we love, to our nation that we love. Please don't underestimate it. The tongue has an effect. We can curse others or we can bless others. Life and death, as I quoted earlier, Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Y'all, I hope you're preparing a lovely, delicious feast for yourself with your tongue because you're going to eat it, right? How many ever had to eat some unpleasant words, right? It came back to get you, right? Um, Proverbs 16, verse 24 It says this, gracious words are honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Because I remember we're going to talk about life tonight, right? Ha ha, thank you. 
right? Healing to the bones. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's what I want to be known for. Remember when um, we got a new senior pastor at my church I grew up in, in 1991. And the second thing he ever preached rocks my world so much, I still remember it, right? In 1991, I'm not going to ask how many of y'all weren't born yet, but I was quite, quite long since born. And, and he preached this thing and he, his title was, Here Comes a Healer. And I thought, this is going to be a cute sermon about Jesus. And it wasn't. It was the sermon about me and you. And his point was, how do you want to be known in your community? Do you want to be known as the opinionated person? Do you want to be known as the critical person? Do you want to be known as the grouchy person? Or do you want to be known as the person that people want to get around? Because every time they're around you, you say something that builds them up. You say something that speaks life into them. Or you pray for them or whatever. And he said, I don't know about you, but I want to be known. Whenever people see me coming, they say, here comes a healer. And I'm like, yes. Yes, God. That's what I want to be known as. Here comes a healer, right? I want to bring life with this tongue that God gave me. There was a um, satirist long ago. I, f- I forgot to look up when he lived and wrote. He's a Latin guy and his name was Juvenal. Or I'm sure that's the wrong pronunciation. Um, and I guess he was really young his whole life. I don't know what possessed his parents to name him that. Not juvenile. Um, J-U-V-E-N-A-L. If there are any Latin scholars in here, I'm about to butcher some Latin words and please forgive me. Didn't study, studied Spanish, right? So, um, so, and now I'm trying to learn a few other languages, but he wrote this many, many, many like centuries ago. And here we go. Y'all ready to make fun of my Latin? Right? This is what Juvenal wrote. To fecale est satiram non scriber. Right? Didn't that sound fun? Right? And here's what it says. Most scholars agree. Basically, he said, and see, my Spanish-speaking friends um, um, understood almost every one of those words because Spanish comes from Latin. Right? But um, basically, he was saying it's hard not to write satire. That's what he said. Um, It's possible that it could be translated, it's not hard to write satire. And this is one of the great satirists, you know. So um, if you study literature, he's like one of the big guys up there in satire. And when I saw this statement, I was actually online doing some stuff and I was actually online arguing about sports and being sarcastic. And, and I saw this quote and it just cut me to the core because however you, however you interpret that ancient saying, it's true that, that um, sarcasm is easy. And the Holy Spirit really convicted me, right? It wasn't even from scripture. It was from a dead Latin dude from forever ago. And the more as I looked, I sat there staring at that statement And this thought crossed my mind. Sarcasm is the finger painting of vocal expression. It doesn't require much maturity and it doesn't require much perception. Right? But it takes maturity to speak life. It takes perception to speak life. Right? And I don't know about you, but with my tongue, I don't want to finger paint. 
It's so easy to go for the sarcasm. It's so easy to, to drop a one-liner and everybody goes, ooh, right? While somebody's hurting now because of the dart I just shot his or her way. I want to learn to speak life. Amen? And it's possible. We can speak life. Here's a personal story. I'll never forget the first time I noticed this. I don't know how many times it happened before, but I shared an opinion. You know, I'm not opinionated at all. I shared an opinion and it wasn't, it wasn't a very kind opinion. And I shared it. And it was, in a, it was in a setting where we were having some fun. We were friends. It was, a, it was a nice time. We were laughing. And I shared this opinion and I felt it like a vacuum, all the life out of the room. And everything got awkward. And I'm sitting there and I'm noticing and I'm feeling it. And I'm like, that was awkward. What do I do? Man, all the humor, everything sucked out of the room. And I can I tell you, reviling against governments or other organizations, even if their actions seem to merit it, in your view, it doesn't point people to Christ. It doesn't. Maybe what you said is accurate. Maybe what I said many more times than I wish I would have. Maybe that's accurate. But it doesn't point people to Jesus. What about pointing out how bad they did this is bringing anyone to Jesus? How did it bring life? I can't tell you how many times Sandra said, I'm trying to keep my heart right. Can you find someone else to complain to? <laughs> it's good, hey? It doesn't bring life. Neither do opinionated rants about one thing or another. I think in this case, my rant was either about a sports team or a fruity software company that I don't prefer. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, listen, years ago, I saw this life was easier when um, Apple and Blackberry were just fruits, you know, <laughs> later after this happened, I asked my wife, does this happen a lot? I told her my experience, how it felt when I said that, does this happen a lot? Can I tell you that conversation didn't go well for me? <laughs> yeah, I asked for it. And, um, and it was a challenge. It's something I work on to this day. It's something I look for right? Um, I don't want to be that guy that just ruins everything with some rant or some opinion, right? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, excuse me, I got that backwards. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. So our danger is like this. Um, I read about some friends who, um, no, I didn't. I read about a guy who was in a lift with some friends, not my friends. I don't know them, right? He's in this lift and look, I'm not picking on he, on anybody or any vice. I'm just, this is what happened, right? He's in this lift with his friends and someone gets in the lift and the door closes and that person exhales and everybody else in the, in the, in the lift goes, wow, that was a strong cigarette. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's almost like you could see the air, you know? And, and, but the, but the individual that got in did not notice it at all. Because you're in your, your cigarette smoke and you're used to it, right? And you're, you've become desensitized to it, right? Not that I want to pick on smoking, but this is, this is the point of this illustration. Um, just like that person is desensitized to, to what came out of her mouth and what it did to the air in that lift. I don't want to be desensitized to the acrid, toxic stuff that comes out of my mouth and can destroy atmospheres. I want life to come out of my mouth, right? I want to be aware. 
So um, Paul says this in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, meaning people who don't know Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace so that you may know how to answer everyone. I want it to be full of grace, not full of my opinion. Y'all, there's such a big difference there's such a massive difference, right? Maybe your opinions look just like grace. God, it's so quiet. I was kidding, right? But you can see the difference, right? One sparked to burn a forest, a world of evil. It's how James describes the tongue. I was watching um, because I love, I really love LTS. And in the last LTS, I was really paying close attention to Robert Morris teaching about the tongue. And he made this statement and and I wrote it down because it just hit me. He said this, negativity is the devil's language spoken by those who share his perspective. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And, and when he said that, I felt like my friend, I was sitting next to, uh, next to someone in the worship family this morning and Pastor Louis said something about the tongue. And I was like, yo, and she says, yeah, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, yes, but, but remember that negativity is the devil's language spoken by those who share his perspective. Um, I don't want to carry on with the language of hell. Cynicism is the language of hell. I want to speak life. Amen. And I want to give a word of caution about the tongue. James is talking about the tongue, the tongue this, the tongue that, the tongue this, the tongue that. But remember, when you read scripture, you need to remember it was written by somebody. And you need to know a little bit about the somebody that wrote it. And then it was written to somebody and you need to learn a little bit about those somebodies. That's why we talk about it's a group of Messianic Jews, right? And what they were going through. And it was written in a time period, right? So this thing was written um, somewhere between roughly 54 and 60-ish AD. Not later than 62 AD because James was beheaded in 62 AD. So we know it's before then. Um, unless there was some hectic miracle, right? So it was written to a group of people like a few decades after zero AD. And I did some research and by research, I mean a couple Google searches and I read just two, um, two sources. Um, how, my thought was how many people could read and write? Because James is talking about the tongue. How many people could read and write? And, you know, there was a, there was a Jewish guy writing and there was another. And you know, most people said, no, people weren't taking literacy rates, so we don't know. But the guess, based on some of the things they studied, was between 1.5 and 5%. So basically, between two and five out of every hundred people know how to read and write or between one and five out of every hundred people. So the people James is writing to had one way to express their ideas. One way and one way only, and that is their tongue. But you and I, today, we have a few other ways to express our ideas. <laughs> yeah. See, back in James's time, I could drop one out a word and irritate about 10 people. Nowadays, y'all with me? For those of you on the radio, I'm holding up a cell phone, right? 
I can drop an out a word and offend a million people. Right? And it never dies. It's always there. Right? It's always, always there. Some nonsense that I said, some rude thing, some, some ugly opinion. You send it out there. And in James's time, your word could travel, maybe it could fill an entire town in the space of a day or two. Now I could say something stupid on the internet and they know in China in 30 minutes, right? So can we be, when, when James is telling us speak life, it's not just our tongues anymore, is it? Speak life with, how you, with what you type. Speak life with what you text. Speak life on your voice notes. Speak life on your whatever. And this is where um, the phrase I'm hearing so much from Pastor Louie and other leaders at Hatfield right now is so important. It is, let me get it right. Fast, slow, slow. What is that? Or quick, quick, thank you. Quick, <laughs> quick. Slow, slow. And that comes from scripture, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? So slow to speak. Be careful. Don't whip this thing out and respond to something right away, right? Let's be slow to speak. I have three minutes left. What are we going to do with that three minutes? Let's finish James 3, the, the next three verses, shall we? With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Esh, James, going for the jugular again. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. Lost my place. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So when you go to the doctor, um, you know, I'll never forget when I was a kid, they used to have these, called them tongue depressors, and it was supposed to be a stick. And the thing was, you know, as a kid, you feel like it's this wide. I'm like, you're going you're gonna to choke me to death with that thing, right? Say, ah, and you can stick that thing in, ah, you know. And what are you doing? I'm looking at your tongue. Why? You know, what are you, why are you looking at my tongue? For some reason, by looking at the physical tongue in my physical mouth, it can be a barometer of a lot of things around my physical health. Not a doctor. I don't get that. But for some reason, that works. And you know what? In the same way, the way I use my tongue is a solid barometer of what's going on in my soul. Jesus said, we're not defiled by what we take in, but by what comes out of our mouth. So if you want a, if you want a heart check on how your soul's doing, just listen to what comes out of your mouth. And then you'll know right? James says it's set on fire by hell. That's harsh. Really, James? Really? What are you talking about? I'm born again. Yeah, so were these people he wrote this letter to. What is that? So for some perspective real quick, you can go to Romans chapter 7. And Paul said, Paul's going mad. He's pulling his hair out. And he said, I want to do this good thing. But no, this evil thing I don't want to do, that's what I do. When I wish I could do this good thing, but when I keep doing this evil thing that I don't want to do, well, who's going to deliver me from this body of sin and death? Right? And then um, we'll just put a pin in that. Earlier in Romans 7, he talks about sin in his members. 
right? Theologically, we call this indwelling sin, right? What is that, right? We were born, David said, surely I was conceived in sin, right? So we were born from Adam, our bodies, we were born to sinners and we were born as sinners. And now we're born again. But did any of you get a brand new body when you prayed and gave Jesus your heart? Now, one day our bodies will be saved. But as for now, according to Paul in Romans 7, there's latent sin just up in this thing. And it likes to be in control sometimes. So that's when you get to Romans 8. And Paul says, don't live by the flesh. And that Greek word literally means meat. Don't live by your meat. Live by the Spirit. Capital S. Right? Live by the Holy Spirit. So when we look back again at James, this is the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Right? I don't want the flesh determining what comes out of my mouth. I don't want salt water. Right? I want the Holy Spirit determining what comes out of my mouth. So I want to live after the Spirit. Does that make sense? Walk in the Spirit. So let's ask ourselves this question. Which spring is flowing when my mouth is going, right? Which spring is flowing when my mouth is going? And I want to cry out with David in Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So there's power of life or death in the tongue. And Joshua once said, to Israel, I set before you this day life and death, therefore choose, right? I want to speak life. So I wonder if we can just respond um, to the Lord, um, not to my jokes and my little presentation, but to the Lord. Two things. The first thing, if anything um, any of these illustrations, any of these scriptures resonated with you. And there's anything in your heart that says, God, I don't want to speak death. If you want to maybe say something like, forgive me for abusing others with my tongue. Or maybe you want to say, God, forgive me for abusing myself with my tongue. I used to look in a mirror and say, why are you so stupid? Right? So maybe you want to say, forgive me for abusing myself with my tongue. Maybe you want to say, God, forgive me for reviling and for rants, which do not point others to Christ. Or maybe you want to say, God, forgive me for abusive and ungodly language on social media or whatever, right? If there's any, anything, or maybe you want to say, God, forgive me for something else. If any of that resonates you, I'm standing because I want to repent again, right? Would you join me? And let's just quickly pray. Let's ask the Lord. And rather than lead you in my prayer, I'm going to pray out loud. And I'm going to ask you, would you just give to the Lord? Whatever. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. Let's pray together. Father, I give you my tongue. And God, I want to say, please forgive me for speaking death. Please forgive me for every time I've abused somebody with my tongue. Please forgive me for every idle word. I've damaged people I love. I've damaged myself. I've damaged, I've reviled against governments. I've reviled against whatever, sport franchises, whatever. God, anytime I've spoken things that do not point people to Jesus, that do not bring life, I repent, God. I repent. 
would you forgive me, God, in the name of Jesus? Lord, forgive me for any nonsense on the internet, um, on, on social media. God, I repent. I ask you to forgive me, God, and I turn from it in the name of Jesus. I want to turn from that thing right now because I want to get to the good stuff. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. One other response. You can, you can remain standing. You can have a seat or whatever. But what if you say, I want to speak life? So you maybe want to say this with me tonight. God, I surrender my tongue to you. Please help me to steer my life towards godliness by speaking thanksgiving and praise and other life. Maybe you want to say, please help me season my conversation with grace. God, help me to speak in a way that draws people to Jesus. Um, God, if the tongue has a power of life and death, I want you in charge. Jesus, be in charge of my tongue. Jesus, take the wheel so that only life ever comes out. Help me speak gracious words that are like, honey, I want people when they see me to know that healing is coming whenever I open my mouth. Let my mouth be a fountain of praise and blessing. If that's you, I'm standing, right? Won't you join me? You can remain standing or maybe you can stand up if you want to join me. And again, just pray with your own words and let's pray now. Father, I surrender my tongue to you. God, I yield my tongue to you. I want you to be in charge. I want you to be in charge of the word. I speak. I want you to be in charge of what I say on um, social media. I want you to be in charge of what I type um, in emails. God, I surrender it all to you. Jesus, you are Lord of all, and please be the Lord of me all of my life, including the words that I communicate in any venue, at any media. God, I pray, please transform my tongue into something that brings life, that brings healing. Lord, sweet honey, healing balm, things that encourage God, turn me into a Barnabas that encourages people, that people know of, man, if I get around that person, I'm going to be built up. If I get around that person, I'm going to be strengthened and encouraged. Lord, I give my tongue to you and I pray, Lord, that you would use it for your glory to glorify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much.